Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, bless this time that we have together. Bring from this an experience of the newness that you bring to us and to our world. Help us to see the gifts that you bring and to trust you in the way that they come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we just prayed, right? Um, I just offered a prayer. You were presumably praying with me rather than thinking through your grocery list that you didn't get before the storm hit. Um, and uh, um, so that's up to you. But uh, so has it happened? What we prayed for? What did I pray for in that in that prayer? Right, that we just had. I said that God would bless us in this time. Right? Has that happened? Sure, of course. We, we're not quite sure what that blessing looks like yet, but of course it has, because God is good all the time, right? So, of course, God is present here. Um, we also prayed that God would help us to see something new. Has that happened yet? Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe for some, maybe not for others. For others, maybe we're waiting. Um, we prayed that, um, that, that God would help us to trust him for, what, for the way that that blessing comes. Has that happened yet? Maybe. <laughs> right? We hope so. We, we think so. We're trying, but we're not sure what to do with that yet. So our prayer, we offer, and then we wait, right? It's not an immediate thing. Are most of your prayers immediately answered? Um, what are some of the prayers that, what are some of the things that we often ask for? Do we, do we usually ask for something we want to see happen? I, I do, right? Right? We pray for uh, healing. We want to see that happen. Do, when we pray for healing, we often know what that healing, uh, we think we know what that healing looks like when we pray for it, don't we? Um, we, we say, well, I know that this is the healing I want to see happen. And so when I say healing, this is what I mean. Does that always happen? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Does the healing happen? I would say yes. But not always the, the healing we asked about, right? Not always the way that we expected it. Not always what we thought we were getting when we went in with our order. I bring this up because the, the story we have before us today, the wedding at Cana, um, most of the time we hear this story at weddings, right? 
And so the, the wedding at Cana, we, we start by saying, okay, well, Jesus goes to a wedding. And so as since we're all gathered here at this wedding, uh, that means that, you know, remember that Jesus is also present with us here. And just as Jesus blessed the wedding at Cana, Jesus will also bless this wedding. And uh, good things are to come because, uh, after all, at the end of this wedding, they had great wine. So that all sounds like good news, right? So that's, that's the way this normally goes. But I think this, this passage has very little to do with weddings. I think it has much more to do with prayer and trust and our willingness to let God be in control. And I'll tell you why. It starts back with Mary, who I think is a great great example for us today, although you can read her, her response and interaction in a number of ways, can't you? How many of you were kind of shocked a little bit um, by Jesus' response to Mary? Mary comes to Jesus, her son, and says, they have no wine. Obviously, this is a problem that Mary sees that she wants Jesus to do something about, right? Jesus they have no wine. Jesus' response is what? Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. What's his hour? His hour is what? The hour of his death on the cross when all the world will be drawn to him. It's why he's come, and he knows it from the very beginning of the gospel. He knows exactly why he's here. He knows where he's headed. My hour has not yet come. And once we get past the fact that he calls her woman instead of mother, right? <laughs> we can start to hear a little bit about that. But that part is important. Not because he's being disrespectful to her as a woman. But there is a disconnection, isn't there? He's not responding to her as mom telling him what to do. He responds to her as a woman coming to her, him, with a problem. Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? Translation, this isn't really your problem or my problem. I have a bigger problem that I'm dealing with, and my hour hasn't come yet for that problem. That problem is the problem of the sin of the world. Um, we've got to give Jesus a little bit of slack here because he, he does get it right. How many times do we in our own prayers forget and think that uh, our problems are bigger than the one that Jesus has in mind, right? Um, I realize that you came to forgive the world and to save us from our sins and to restore all of creation to, uh, to, the, to the design that you had in mind from the beginning. But uh, if you could just help me get through this test, that would be really important to me right now, right? It's not that those aren't important, but Jesus reframes it immediately for Mary. Why does Mary go to Jesus in the first place? 
He just shows up at the wedding. Did she think that he was supposed to have stopped at the grocery store on the way to the wedding and picked up some wine just in case they were running out? I don't think so. She goes to him, why? Why do you go to Jesus with your prayers? Because you, what? Because we want him to do something about it. And we believe that he can, right? Why do we offer prayers to Jesus? Because we trust that he can handle it. We know we need help. And we know that, and we trust him to offer that help. Whenever we ask for help, we don't ask people for help that we don't think will help us, do we? Even when it's just human relationships. Sometimes that's why we don't ask for help at all, because we think nobody's going to help me with this. I'm on my own here. We're wrong about that. But it's trust that drives us to ask in the first place. It's trust that drives Mary to turn to Jesus with her problem in the first place. Jesus, they have no wine. This is a problem. She doesn't want to see them shamed. She doesn't want to see them disgraced. She doesn't want this great moment in their, in their family's life to be a moment of shame. Jesus, they have no wine. But Jesus immediately says, there's bigger things at work here. And even though you're my mother, you don't get to tell Jesus what to do. So what does she do? She turns to the servants. Do whatever he tells you. We talked about this in Sunday school today. We said maybe she's being passive aggressive here. Maybe she finds a way to get her way to manipulate Jesus. Maybe. That wouldn't fit with John's telling of, the, of, of Jesus and the gospel throughout it. Nobody manipulates Jesus in John's telling of the gospel. He does uh, exactly what he expects to do. In exactly the way that he desires to do it. And it's not because anyone else pushes him into it. Even at the moment, at the hour of his crucifixion, even when he's on trial before Pilate in John's Gospel, and they have this interchange back and forth, and Jesus is just silent. And Pilate says, don't you realize that I have the authority to, to order your execution? And Jesus says what? You would have no power over me except that the Father has given it. You're not really in control here. Jesus knows exactly what is going on. That's the, that's the Jesus we encounter throughout this gospel. So it's not that Mary manipulates him, I don't think. I think instead it's that Mary does what we have so much trouble doing. Do whatever he tells you. Does Mary know what's going to happen here? How many of you think Mary knew exactly what Jesus was going to do? You think she knew that he was going to change the water into wine out of the, from the very beginning? Mothers know. Mothers know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. 
they do have a sense about it. You're, you, you could be right. Um, I take a different view. I think that Mary knew that, she ha that her son, Jesus, had an ability that was beyond what she could even dream. And I think she leaves it in his hands. And in doing so, I think she shows us that we can trust that too. We trust Jesus enough to bring him our troubles, our problems, our uh, desires, our needs. We trust him enough to not get frustrated and upset when he says, well, you know, that's not the biggest problem in the world. We trust him enough to not think that it's going to be immediately met, right? Could Jesus have just said, I've already taken care of it, Mary. It's okay. They have wine. Of course. He doesn't do that because he's building trust. And he builds it in us, too. I think the pattern for us is the pattern of Mary. We bring exactly what we desire to the one we trust to be able to do something about it. But we don't get to tell him what to do. Oh, how nice that would be, wouldn't it? But instead... We leave it in his hands. Do what he tells you. And he turns to his servant. He turns to the servants, to the doers, to the actors who must have just felt this work was ridiculous. What are we going to do about wine by filling up jugs of water? Huge jugs full of water and serving this nasty water to the chief steward. All that's going to happen here is disaster. But God has called them to do it. And they follow. Dear friends, this story is us and Jesus. And it invites us not for us to make the right choice trust that God will choose the best option. That his timing is not an accident but calls us to build trust and relationship and love. And at the end what God brings is beyond what we May God show up for us in the simple things that seem to make no difference as we learn to trust him with the journey, with the way we live, with the servanthood, and let him be responsible for the outcome for the new wine and for the celebration that follows for those who walk with him along the way.
prayers, in our serving, and in our celebration.